by the end of that training, the volunteers were so bought into the concept that they were actually lobbying me to put the vote tripling ask as the very first question in our (laughs) phone scripts. And of course, I had to explain to them the importance of identifying a voter's affiliation before we made that kind of ask. But they were really ready to use this technique. Hello, this is the Great Battlefield Podcast. I'm Nathaniel G. Perlman. A great political battle is being fought right now between progressives and the forces of reaction on the other side. This show is about the political entrepreneurs and other progressive leaders who are finding new or improved ways to fight. This episode is about vote tripling, an organization and a behavioral technique and campaigning tactic that it promotes to increase voter turnout. I interviewed three of the people who worked on the project, Robert Reynolds, who heads up vote tripling and who returns to the show after far exceeding what I thought was doable, Christina Pigdelli, who is their national political director who worked on partnerships and other things, and Hippa Mohammed, digital organizing director at the Democratic Party of Wisconsin, one of their partners in implementing their vote tripling idea. Vote tripling is a rare example of how to use behavioral research to conceive of a simple but effective intervention in the electoral process, and then working really hard and smart to get that innovation adopted widely and quickly. So, after a quick word from our sponsor, my interviews with Robert, Christina, and Hippa. Check out the large, detailed, and high-quality political data graphic posters from Timeplots. Our visual history of the American presidency, for example, lets you see the Clinton, Bush, Obama, and Trump presidencies in full context. Timeplots Library includes visual histories of the United States House, the United States Senate, the Supreme Court, and the Democratic and Republican parties. Find them all at www.timeplots.com. Use the code BATTLEFIELD for a discount. So I'm going to ask you each to introduce yourselves in turn and give me a quick biography. Maybe start with Robert. Cool. Well, thank you for having us. I'm Robert Reynolds. I use he, him pronouns. I'm the founder and executive director of VoteTripling.org. We're a nonprofit that exists to boost voter turnout among Democrats and underrepresented voters. And we do this by designing and scaling uh, behavioral science-based voter turnout tactics. And as far as my bio, I was born and raised in rural Montana, lived there until I was 18, lived in a variety of places for the next several years, and at the time of the 2016 election was working as a behavioral science researcher in D.C., and with the election of Trump became one of the wave of people who was previously politically uninvolved who joined this work and have been working to elect Democrats for most of the past four years. Yes. And you were a guest on the show back at the end of 2018. And we got a lot more about your bio and the startup story of vote tripling then. This is in a lot of ways a catch up two years later. Yeah, definitely. Christina, you want to take the next swing at it? Sure. Um, Catch up two years later, and uh, I've joined the team as well as a number of others. The team has grown quite a bit. Um, So my name is Christina, uh, Christina Farabigdelli. My pronouns are she, her. 
and I'm the national political director at VoteTripling.org. I am a proud first-generation American from southeastern Virginia of Italian and Iranian descent. And a little bit about my story, I became an activist in 2008, of course, because of Barack Obama's campaign, but also extremely important to me and my family now was Proposition 8, which was a ballot measure in California that repealed marriage equality for queer couples. So thankfully that was overturned, but it kind of sparked me into activism. After that, I went on to work on democratic campaigns at every level of government, either as a field director, campaign manager, or consultant, including U.S. Senator Ed Markey, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, and our Vice President Kamala Harris's campaign for president, to name a few. After Kamala dropped out, I was really looking for a home where I could play a role in defeating Donald Trump, and Bo Tripling offered that opportunity because... I saw the power that Bo Tripling could have in defeating Donald Trump. And after quite a few years working and organizing, I I really felt strongly that when it comes to organizing, Democrats really have to try to innovate. Um, We can't just rely on our tried and true playbook. We have to constantly stay ahead because the battlefield changes and we have to adapt with it. And so um, I really saw an opportunity at VoteTripling.org to work with behavioral scientists and statisticians hand in hand every day, not only to innovate and come up with great ideas, but also to invest the time and help campaigns. Folks like me who, you know, continue to work in campaigns, but could really use a hand at implementing new tactics and doing it well. Sounds good. We've got one more to do. Yeah. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on today. I am Hiba Mohammed, and I was the digital organizing director for Wisconsin's 2020 coordinated campaign. Um, so that means we worked to elect Democrats up and down the ballot across the state. And it was in this role that I got to know and work with the folks at Vote Tripling. Um, in terms of a brief background, I was born and raised in Wisconsin to immigrant Palestinian parents. Um, and I first took an interest in politics around 2010, 2011, during my freshman year of college, when then-Governor Scott Walker stripped collective bargaining rights from public employee unions through the Act 10 legislation. Fast-forwarding a bit, in 2016, I decided to run for city council in Green Bay, primarily on a public transportation platform. Um, I did not win that race, but it was an experience I'll always be proud of and one that I learned a lot from. Later that year, I went on to work as a field organizer for Hillary. Um, And then after that, I spent three years in Washington, D.C., working for the national nonprofit Arab American Institute, doing constituency organizing nationwide. Earlier, well, I guess not this year, but last year, early in 2020, um, I decided it was time to return to Wisconsin to roll up my sleeves for this fight. And I'm really glad I did. And here we are. Well, I'm I'm really glad I have all of you together to kind of give some perspective on what vote tripling does and how it's used by clients. Robert, can you kind of catch me up on what has changed about vote tripling since we last talked? Yeah. The main thing that's changed is we've grown. So when we last talked, we had designed a few tactics, a few techniques, not technology products, but just voter engagement programs. And over the past two years, I think the last time we talked was December 2018, we've done a variety of tests validating the efficacy of those programs and have just trained so, so, so many 
partner organizations in battleground states to use them. And so I can describe the tactics just in brief, but Christina can share a lot more about how we've grown so much and trained so many people to use them. But our principal technique or tactic is called polling place vote tripling. And this is a program where you train poll graders to ask voters as they're exiting to stop and remind three friends to vote. And we find that this works really, really well because people are just glowing as they're exiting the polling place. They're just so happy about having just voted. And you can get so many people to stop each and every minute or so to remind their friends to vote that you produce far more voter contacts per hour than election day canvassing. And you're not just producing more voter contacts, but they're actually relational contacts. And Christina could share a lot more on how we got, I think it was 124 partner organizations to run that program and a variety of other programs we designed in the 2020 general election and in the Georgia runoffs. When we first talked, I mean, I've talked to a lot of organizations that work on turnout and your idea of vote tripling, I don't know, you know, I, I want them all to work, right? But it seemed a little hard to understand how you would scale it and how it would be really that effective. But when you talk about using your greeters, I mean, you start to see how people would really want to do it and how it could make a difference. But Christina, why don't you talk about what uh, Robert suggested, like about the growth, about pulling in partners, because that's the challenge is so far beyond coming up with the idea and, and kind of studying whether it works. It's, it's getting people to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe a little bit more than a year ago, the team really went full throttle on reaching out to state democratic parties, voter turnout organizations, um, anyone and everyone that would talk to us because we all truly believe that this was relational turnout or relational organizing at scale and we that we had solved this problem that a lot of campaigns and organizations had faced but didn't really know what to do about it. You know, we started out, I think Robert tells the story of him like as a peddler on a sidewalk peddling vote tripling to anyone that would talk to him in the very, very beginning. <laughs> Over time, we grew. And so we were able to make contact with a lot of uh, really smart people um, at these organizations who saw the power and saw the potential and were kind of early adopters. And as an organization, like almost all of our staff went out before COVID kind of restricted what we were able to do and actually did this. We're based in Southern California. And so Many of us have the experience of going out and doing vote tripling ourselves and can speak from experience. But I think one thing that really helped with getting our partners on board was that members of our team have experience working on field campaigns ourselves. Um, And so we can really put ourselves in the shoes of a campaign manager or a field director on a state legislative race or even, you know, nationally for an organizing director for a state or a national organizing director for a presidential race. We kind of run the gamut of experiences. And so it's easy for us to put ourselves in the shoes. And when we speak to a partner to quickly identify the pain points that they might have in implementing it and to show them that we've done the work of thinking through this all for them. And so once an organization sees the power of vote tripling and they sign up with us, that 
Nathaniel, you mentioned you called them clients earlier, but I want to be clear that our support only costs $1 million. Just kidding. It's totally free. So not clients, but partners. Um, So once an organization signs up to receive our free support, we kind of base this around a weekly sort of like consultant coaching model that we find works really well. We received a lot of really good feedback on it where we meet with the field director or the data director or the mobilization director and Hiva's case, the um, digital organizing director of the campaign and coach them week by week, offer ideas of, you know, what we think could work. We'll even train staff. We'll train volunteers, pretty much whatever it takes to help these organizations be successful. Because at the end of the day, when we see, for example, the Sunrise Movement was a big partner that we had in 2020 who really ran with it and learned some amazing things. The Sunrise Movement has now trained, I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of organizers and volunteers to do vote tripling. Um, And that's really what we want to see is adoption. This needs to be a tactic that everybody includes in their playbook. With that example of the Sunrise Movement, just to flesh that out, did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? How did you make that connection? How did they get going? Like, Give me more specifics about how that particular one became successful. In that particular case, I think we you know, emailed, we just looked up like, who works at the Sunrise Movement? Taryn Hallweaver is the name of their national field director, and she's an amazing organizer. And for her, it was just, you know, as soon as we were able to speak with her, just to get five minutes of her time, she saw that this would work because yes, you know, we have our randomized control trials. We, you know, have our results. The Analyst Institute talks about us quite a bit. It's pretty awesome. But at the end of the day, it's really like an intuitive thing for a lot of folks that they're like, yes, I know this works. I can see how this works. And so that was kind of how we got our foot in the door. And from there, it became a really great partnership. So do you ever have to manage overlap where multiple organizations land in the same precinct trying to triple? That's a really good question. It is a tactic where, unlike door knocking, if you have multiple organizations, one one can go to the door and the other one can go a couple hours later. We saw a couple of little challenges with this, particularly in the Georgia runoff. I'd love to tell you actually about our favorite partner there, the DeKalb County Democrats. They covered... This kind of an amazing story, <laughs> so I'll just take a few minutes if that's okay to tell you about them. Their um, field operations director, Claire, she was introduced to vote tripling by the vice chair of the Georgia Democrats. His name is Ted Terry in the general election, and he was really sold on it. He had spoken with us and like looked at all of our materials, and he really saw the potential there. And so he convinced that, again, this is a county Democratic Party in Georgia, Claire is the field operations director there. She went out and tried it for herself during early vote in the general election. And she was out in the morning doing polling place vote tripling. And then within the next hour or so had voters coming back through saying that they had gotten a reminder from their friend that someone at the polling location had told them to text them. She was able to see like the first round, the second round, the third round of the traffic increasing basically specifically from her work just on that day. And so it kind of blew her mind and she talked to Ted and then their colleague, Andrew Spielvogel, and they decided to just throw out their playbook 
and focus 100% of their operation on doing polling place vote tripling. And so by the time we came around to the Georgia runoff, that was the thing. Like they just did it and they covered all of their early voting sites, all of the hours that it was open. And I just spoke with them this morning, which is why I'm so excited to tell the story. Voters in DeKalb returned for the runoffs at a higher rate than any other metro Atlanta county. And so because polling place vote tripling happened, like they did it more concentrated there, they are attributing this turnout directly to the tactic, which is obviously really exciting for us. And then they drilled down even further into the locations that they were covering. And they, they were telling me a story this morning about this volunteer named Vinny who covered this one early vote location. And they said that they could even attribute what they saw specifically to this guy named Vinny who had like handed out 600 stickers. And so by handing out a sticker or any collateral or piece of candy or whatever it is that the operation wants to do, they were using stickers. That means that that voter agreed to text three friends right in front of you. And so from Vinny's numbers, 600 stickers is 1,800 relational GOTV contacts that he led to happen, basically. So anyway, to circle back to your original question of like what happens when there's more than one organization there. So the Cow County Democrats, because they covered all of the early vote locations, they did see some volunteers and folks from other organizations kind of come and try to help out. And so where they were able to coordinate it, they did it themselves. Like we didn't, we didn't need to help with that. It's on such a human level there. You can see each other doing it, I guess. Exactly. Since we have HIPAA here, tell me how, Christina, from your side, how did you connect with her state party? And and then I'll ask her about her side of it. I think Robert or another member of our team connected with Nellie Sires, who's a former colleague of mine at Organizing for Action. I think she's still the executive director of the Wisconsin Dems. Is that right, Robert? I could just say we had a warm introduction. Many of our partners come through conversations like this with you, Nathaniel, where at the end, if we were talking in August, we would have said, like, so now you know what we do is there two or three groups you could introduce us to. And that's how we got connected. So, Hiba, how did this come across your plate and, and how did it proceed? I joined the the coordinated campaign, uh, the WISDEMS, in April of 2020. And at that point, the partnership with Vote Tripling had already been established. So I had the great fortune of walking into a partnership that was um, still a little bit new, I think, but you know, pretty well established. And we knew that this was going to be something we would incorporate into all of the work that we did. And that's exactly what happened. Um, we included the Vote Tripling Ask in our phone banking, in our text banking, and on election day um, in our polling place vote tripling. Um, and we found that this ask was really easy to incorporate because, you know, first of all, it's a universal ask across districts. So we could really include it in every single conversation we had with voters without needing to worry about, you know, naming the right state legislative candidate um, in that conversation. And, you know, secondly, the ask itself is a pretty low barrier to entry into civic engagement. And as a result, you know, we helped a lot of folks realize they could have a huge impact on voter turnout without it being, you know, a, a huge burden on them. And we found that that realization was pretty empowering for many of the voters that we talked to. 
you know, I'll say that for our digital organizing program in particular, we did a lot of work with relational organizing this cycle. And I really see vote tripling as a piece of the relational organizing puzzle. You know, we know that relational is not a new concept, especially in uh, the communities of color that are most uplifted by relational organizing practices. We've just tried to put a name to the power of interpersonal communication, and we've tried to work to quantify its impact so that it fits into, you know, what we know as a traditional organizing framework. As a proponent myself of more creative organizing techniques, I really love that relational actually works best if we focus on the process and don't necessarily die on the hill of minute data collection. And I think vote tripling really understands the importance of the process. So we didn't really have to collect full profiles on every single person that a voter was promising to remind when we asked them to make the vote tripling pledge. Um, And that's because, you know, the vote tripling team itself coached us on other ways to make sure that the data we did have worked for us. So um, it was really important to us that we incorporated this into everything and our volunteers totally bought into it. And I think it was a really wise move on our part to start vote tripling very early because we had four elections in Wisconsin in 2020. Uh, Five, actually. I take that back. We had a special election as well um, and were able to include vote tripling for every single election. And I, I really do believe it had an impact. To try to understand the impact there, how many, do you have any sense of how many people tried to reach out to three other people and and maybe what that on average led to? I know that Trump lost by only about 20,000 votes statewide, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can speak to the, the hard numbers in Wisconsin, and that is that we collected almost 70,000 affirmative vote tripling pledges. So people who committed to reminding three friends to vote um, either in person, absentee, or early voting um, in person as well. So 70,000, and I'll I'll turn it over to Robert in a moment here to talk about their data and how those 70,000 pledges are translated into, you know, the, the actual reminders. But that being said, I think as a part of our relational organizing program, I'm confident that vote tripling touched every single one of those 20,000 votes in our margin of victory. You know, we did a lot of work to collect that. And as I mentioned, vote tripling and relational really uplift communities of color in particular. And those are the communities that we don't often have good data on. And that's why we need to do this more creative, out-of-the-box organizing in, in order to reach them. So I know that we had a huge impact on those communities, and um, vote tripling was a big piece of that. That's cool. What other things did you do in your relational program? What software did you use, and what other things besides vote tripling, HIPAA? Yeah, so the primary tool that we had was the Vote Joe app. And, you know, I, I will go on the record <laughs> saying that I think relational probably works better without an app itself, but we made really good use of the, the Vote Joe app itself. And one of the, I think, most unique things we did was we, as a campaign, collected at frequent and regular intervals the lists of voters who had requested absentee ballots. And, you know, as we updated those lists, we could find out who had a ballot still and hadn't returned it and who had returned it. So we would take the list of people who had not yet returned their ballots and uploaded it into the Vote Joe app. 
what that allowed us to do then was, you know, let's say one of our volunteers had the app downloaded and, you know, they're in Milwaukee. So they know a lot of voters in Milwaukee. They could open up the app and go to their contact list in the app and it would add a star next to the folks in their contact list who had a ballot but had not yet returned it. And then it would pre-populate some sample language for them um, that would include all of the, the reminders that we had, you know, make sure you are mailing it in on time, getting an absentee witness to sign your envelope, making sure that you sign it as well, so that we checked off all of those boxes to make sure that the ballot was actually counted. But by helping volunteers identify who in their networks already had a ballot and just needed that reminder to return it, um, we saw a, a huge decrease in the number of rejected ballots and also an increase in the people who ended up returning their ballots. So um, that was one technique. We also did a lot of things um, on social media that were relationally adjacent to make sure that we were in the communities and helping people by you know giving them the right talking points and the right voter education information to disseminate to all of their networks, whether it was through the app, through social media, through one-on-one -on -one conversations, however it worked best for them and their networks. I kind of wish that voting was simpler and didn't have to check a bunch of boxes like that, but I'm glad that you were helping people do it. Robert, I have a feeling I asked you this before, but I don't remember the answer. Why vote tripling and not doubling or quadrupling or quintupling? What we know from behavioral science research on the science of plan making and the science of goal setting is people accomplish more when you give them a specific goal and a hard goal. And so the reason it's it has a specific number is just because we know that's going to work more than saying get a few friends to vote. And the reason we chose three is based on our early pilots of this, doing this primarily through canvassing in the 2017 Virginia um, elections. We saw that that was hard for most people to come up with three friends that they were comfortable reminding. And so that seemed like as big of a goal as was attainable. If it got bigger than that, we thought there'd just be huge drop off and sign up. But it's not critical that people actually pick three friends. Many people pick two, many people pick five. But when we get people to be specific and actually say they're on the spot when they're canvassing who they're going to remind, or if they do this over a texting program, then we have this really, really incredible information we can send back to them, which is, let's say my little brother Nikki does this. We can, rather than just saying to Nikki on election day, get your friends to vote or get three friends to vote, we can say, Nikki, get Applejack, Mia, and Tony to vote, which is incredibly specific. He knows exactly what he's about, to, what he needs to do next. So three is just a default. Um, and many people pick a different number than that. That makes sense. To follow up on the, the 70,000 number in Wisconsin, what do you think that might have translated to in terms of extra people voting, if any? We're still pulling together our numbers from 2020. And it's it's hard to say because many of our tests were done in non-presidential elections. And so I don't want to say on the record right now anything that's hyper-specific about the size of our, our impact, especially something that granular in a particular state. What I can share more of is just our overall traction 
across the country. I don't think we've mentioned yet, but so for our polling place vote tripling program, our partners and our in-house work, we were able to run this for 89,000 hours across key battleground states. That is to say we had canvassers at polling places for 89,000 hours, where the average canvasser, based on our data, produced 14 friend-to-friend reminders per hour. And so that one program, polling place vote tripling, yielded 1.2 million relational contacts in the general election. But to be determined based on further testing, what the actual vote turnout was from those 1.2 million reminders. It certainly seems like something well worth doing. Uh, did well, you- I can say the, the Biden campaign has put out reports on their programs, and it sounds like their core friend-to-friend program produced 200,000 relational contacts. And so it is definitely at the scale or larger than the scale than many of the best-in-class relational programs. So we would say it is definitely worth doing. Hippo, what is vote tripling as an organization like to work with? Oh boy, I cannot say enough good things about the vote tripling team. From day one, I mentioned that I walked into my role with this relationship already established. Um, So from day one, they have been always there for us, always available to help us with anything that we needed from weekly check-ins to sample language to use on our vote tripling asks um, to trainings. You know, we truly were never left without support. In fact, one of my favorite vote tripling stories comes from uh, the very last training that they led with a large group of our volunteers. By the end of that training, the volunteers were so bought into the concept that they were actually lobbying me to put the vote tripling ask as the very first question in our (laughs) phone scripts. And of course, I had to explain to them the importance of identifying a voter's affiliation before we made (laughs) that kind of ask. But they were really ready to use this technique. And I think that's a really important part of the equation and our success with the program. It's that if our volunteers had not supported it and thought it was a worthwhile endeavor, it just really wouldn't have worked. And so I'm really glad that the way that they presented the information helped the volunteers see the value of it. And I'll say that the folks who led the training were the same folks who we worked with directly for those several months, Ani and Armani, uh, and they're just really cool people. So I always felt grateful to have that support and that partnership again, never felt like we were missing anything that we couldn't ask for or didn't already have. Just thinking about it from my own perspective, it seems more rewarding as a volunteer, potential volunteer, to go and talk people into reaching out to three of their friends than going door to door. Yeah. You know, we found that I think the volunteers really appreciated that they still had an additional ask to present to voters, right? So we went through all of the candidate identification support questions. Um, then we'd have the volunteer question. And I don't think it's a secret that a lot of voters, you know, end up saying no to volunteering. But the fact that we had another question then to ask them, that was by comparison, again, a pretty low barrier to entry. It really made the volunteers quite happy that they could do that. And, you know, to have this personal connection with the voters who during the cycle, we did end up calling repeatedly. So there was sort of that uh, rapport that we were building with them as well. And to have that personal touch was really important. Nathaniel, I would love to just add one note to that when you're comparing the how rewarding this is to canvassing. We do think this is a, for any given volunteer, 
a great use of their time on election day relative to canvassing. But this is only a tactic that can be run during early vote and election day. And so we are not saying people shouldn't do canvassing. That's something they should be doing for months. And there's only so many polling places in a given jurisdiction uh, that you're going to have way more volunteers than you would need to fill every polling place. And so you should still be sending people out to do canvassing because you only need a handful to run this program at full scale. Very valid. A number of the interviews I've done lately are among some of the activists and leaders that were working in in Georgia this cycle, obviously a pivotal state and, and one where they had those Senate runoffs that we won. Was vote tripling active there, Christina? Yes, we absolutely were. Our team supported very many campaigns and organizations uh, in the runoff. I mean, I mentioned the DeKalb County Democrats, of course, um, but we also worked with John Ossoff's campaign for the Senate and the Sunrise Movement, Working America, Planned Parenthood, we count as a partner as well. We were there. We rolled up our sleeves. I think some of us were hoping, or probably everyone was hoping to have that time off, <laughs> but we all wanted to stay in the trenches with our partners who were the real heroes and to make sure that they were able to be successful. And one thing that was like pretty amazing, going through the 2020 general election and then ending there and thinking like, okay, like we did a great job, our partners did a great job, and then going into the runoff and starting initial conversations only to find that vote tripling was already baked in to their program. So like the Georgia coordinated campaign, trained all their organizers on it before we even spoke with them about it. Fair count on the nonpartisan side picked up on a lot of this and wanted to do uh, their version of it. Like we feel really proud of what we were able to do in, in impacting that. It was really an honor to help turn Georgia blue and also to continue to work on the ground with the folks there, deferring to them, of course, um, and their expertise locally, but to help build the infrastructure to keep it blue and including vote tripling in their playbook going forward. Robert, I know you're, you're still going with vote tripling into 2021 to another cycle. It feels like you can expand this in a number of ways. You can get it used more broadly. You can invent other behavioral science-based techniques that work as other asks at the polling place or outside of the polling place. What are your plans to try to keep things going for vote tripling? A few things on that. I would say we are very good at two things. The first is designing just simple, powerful tactics. So far, it's just been these suite of programs that spark people to remind three friends to vote. But the first is around designing things that work. And the second is really, really rapidly scaling them. To share a note on that, my understanding from talking to other people in this space is that it's like make a plan to vote. That tactic is a behavioral science-based intervention. The RCTs on that came out in 2008, and it was widely adopted in 2014, is my understanding. So that took six years to go from RCT to widespread adoption, where with our polling place vote tripling program, the RCT came out in the spring of 2020, and it was widely adopted by the fall of 2020. So instead of six years from testing to adoption, 
it was six months. And so that's just an example to illustrate the speed with which we are able to scale things. Uh, but in general, moving forward, we still have work getting the vote tripling tactic widely adopted. Our goal is to make it simple enough and to refine it enough such that partner organizations don't need our support when running this. We've made a lot of progress on that, but we're not quite there. So we still have work in pushing our first suite of tactics out. But now we're starting to do basically a landscape analysis of other behavioral problems in this space, things from like more heavyweight relational programs, or that is to say programs for activists to get a bunch of friends to vote, other problems around persuasion or down-ballot drop-off, um, all sorts of things. We're, we're exploring the problem space right now to try to figure out what one to two to three to four new problem areas seem like they're a good fit for our model to spend a couple of years working to design and refine new tactics and then conditional on finding something that works and that partner organizations like working to get it disseminated as rapidly as possible. And so we're excited to hear from allies across the progressive ecosystem what problems they think the space would benefit from innovations around and It'll be a couple more months until we have a certainty on which problems we'll be focused on. You have an organization that's built around disseminating such a specific tactic that you've you know, come up with. What's different about an organization like that than another one you might build? How do you have to put that together? Our team is part researchers and part field experts. Then we have admin and a development team that that kind of enables the research team and, and field team to exist. But what I think is really special about our work is it's not researchers working in a silo and, and designing things that they think work, but it's researchers working hand-in-hand hand to co-design tactics with field experts. So we know that this is something that would fit the model or be adopted by our partner organizations. And I think that's that co-design between field experts and researchers is the first thing that makes us distinct. And the second thing that really makes us distinct, and a lot of credit goes to Christina and her team on this, is just it being ruthless about figuring out what, what are the pain points to scaling programs. The, the thing that has most surprised me in doing this work is the learning that designing a new program, writing a study on it, and sharing it with people does not lead to adoption. There's tons and tons of evangelizing and just further prototyping that is needed for things to get adopted quickly. And as we saw in 2020, Thank God we were able to get this adopted quickly, and thank God many other organizations were able to get their tactics adopted quickly because had many of the inventions of the last cycle taken six years or so to get adopted, it may not have been enough for us to win the White House and win the Senate. Hippo, do you think there's any misconceptions about vote tripling that you can clear up? Misconceptions? 
No, I don't think there are, are misconceptions necessarily. If anything, it is a very clear concept that a lot of people grasp. One thing that I will share is I think our volunteers were always anticipating more training on how to make the second ask. So we ask people if they're willing to commit to reminding three friends to vote. The next ask is, who are those friends? Um, And I think particularly in Wisconsin, uh, (laughs) based on the, the culture here and our Wisconsin nice, you know, reputation, I think it's true because a lot of people didn't want to push too hard on getting those three names at certain times. So I think our volunteers just wanted more of that training, but it's because they wanted to do a good job. Again, they really bought into this and they wanted to make sure that it worked for our program. And so giving them that extra training, which again, we always got whenever we asked for it, really made it easy for them to to do this better and to have it be more successful in Wisconsin. So um, no misconceptions on my end, just really happy with the program. Yeah. Christina, why is this a good organization for you to work at? Oh, I love that question. But first, let me say, HIPAA and the Wisconsin coordinating campaign, they didn't have any misconceptions at all. But what we have found is that at first glance, and even at second or third glance, uh, a lot of folks think that we are a tech platform, just because this is an age when anything new that pops up is usually has something to do with tech. And so we had to kind of fight that a lot. Might be a relief to people that you're not, given how many there are right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We, we really <laughs> Like hammer that one home that like, no, we are not a tech platform. Yes, the relational apps that you're using are absolutely important. Um, but what about the folks who won't download your app? What about the folks who won't who won't volunteer? We come in as a complement to those programs to activate the folks in a short, like easy ask for them to actually make a difference. And so I feel like that's a misconception that we hopefully won't have to you know, combat with any longer um, after this cycle, but it was a big challenge for us in the past year or so. So remind me, did you say why is votetripling.org the most amazing place to work at? Is that, was that your question? Uh, that, that could be how you choose to answer it. Why is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a field geek. I'm obsessed with it. I just think, you know, organizing is, in my opinion, the answer, the solution to every problem. And so votetripling.org you know, has that approach of like, okay, this is a turnout problem. And like, how can we solve it? And like, let's talk about organizing and focusing on that. And so as Robert mentioned, how we work, the field folks work hand in hand with the researchers researchers is absolutely true. We don't make decisions at this organization without hearing from everyone from the field and the research perspective on like, what is the best next step forward? And I feel like As a field geek myself, I feel really empowered to have an influence over not just the direction of the organization, but more specifically, like how we handle vote tripling the tactic um, and our future innovations. Because obviously, I think the field perspective is important and, you know, we can really act as a voice for all the field directors out there who, you know, might be facing some challenges and can really represent them in the research process that will ultimately improve the way that Democrats do this work. Not to mention, everybody's great. It's a wonderful culture. We love joking. It's wonderful. <laughs> All good things. Um, I'm curious, and any of you can take the answer to this. I'm curious what you think about the other side in this tactic. Do they do anything like this? Are you worried they're going to copy it? Are we making a mistake broadcasting this 
in this forum and obviously you are in many other ways like is this just something that is going to meet an equal and opposite reaction at some point i can answer that i mean there's a trade-off the quieter you are about things yeah the less you're going to see the other side adopt it but the less our side will adopt it as well polling place vote tripling is something i'm very excited about in that regards because this will disproportionately help Democrats based on where you can scale it. You want to run this program in very, very heavily partisan precincts. So when we looked at the numbers of precincts that are 90% plus Democrat versus 90% plus Republican in battleground states, there are nearly 3,000 precincts like that for Democrats where there are only 111 for Republicans. And Democrats are further just lucky that our precincts are all clustered, our like heavily Democratic precincts are all clustered in a handful of cities where Republicans are scattered across rural America, which is where, where I'm from. And you want to do it in heavily partisan precincts because it's not an enjoyable experience for volunteers to be standing out and accidentally reminding Republicans. And so there is a trade-off of which we're very thoughtful in how we disclose our work. But this is a tactic that under all scenarios we've imagined will only provide enduring benefits to uh, the left. That's pretty interesting. I tend to ask people if there's a question I failed to ask that I should have. Is there one that any of you would like to answer that I didn't ask? Uh, yeah, I have one. I think we should offer folks an opportunity to to get in touch with us if they want to know more or want to work with us or partner with us. So the question is, how do we reach you? Um, so we're at boattripling.org. That's our website. You can find us on Twitter at boattripling. And you can also shoot us an email, contact at boattripling.org. A bunch of us check that and we would love to hear from you. Sounds good. Anyone else? I was going to say exactly what Christina said. Well, then I'm not going to ask you that question, but I do appreciate all of you taking the time today. I think it's a fascinating window into the the game of politics here, and it's such a divided country. It's so close in so many places. It's amazing that you know you might have made the difference. Can, can I actually add something on that? I know you're wrapping up, but I would love to add one thing we don't talk about a lot with our work, but that we're really proud of is that the vote tripling tactics aren't divisive. There's many things we know that, that Democratic campaigns do that work, but they come with this really, really severe unintended consequence that they just further tear apart our country. And that's not what happens when you just ask someone, an everyday American, to pause and text their friends to vote. There's no negative externality that is emerging from this. And that's one of the things that I love most about our work. And I, I hope that the innovations of tomorrow can align with more and more often of things that work, but don't further create a more divisive country. Well, it's certainly better than storming the Capitol. <laughs> I agree. It's a real pleasure.
That was Robert, Christina, and Hippa talking about votetripling.org. This is Nathaniel G. Perlman with the Great Battlefield Podcast. You can find us at greatbattlefield.com or by searching for Great Battlefield in places where podcasts are found.